All right, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. I know we've got some people joining us online. We are glad to have you here as well. Go ahead and send Rob a message in the chat if you want to. Now, this morning we are continuing our Thanksgiving series by talking about time. And I'm going to be honest with you on how I spend most of my Saturdays. I did this kind of quick math using a calculator, but I calculated that every fall... I spend at least 36 hours yelling at our television. Um, and and I, I'm a normal college football fan, so I, I always stand when I watch the games. I don't know if any of you do that as well. Don't sit in a chair. I don't sit on a couch. I stand like I would at a game. And I'm standing there, and I'm yelling at our television. Now, normally on these Saturday occurrences, I'm, I'm yelling at these young men who are just trying to play football. And I'll turn to Whitney at times, and I'll say, do you think that the coaches can hear my complaints? Or as I try to call them, encouragements. And, and I'm yelling at the TV. I'm letting them know, this is not the play that you should have done. You shouldn't have done this. Why is this person substituted in? And I'm, I'm doing my best to encourage this team, to power them on through these encouragements. Now, you probably don't know this about me, um, but I'm a, I'm a casual Kentucky Wildcats fan. It's, it's casual, I think it's how it's described. If you were to go to my office this morning, you would not see a shrine to the Commonwealth by any means. It's just a regular office with books and Bibles, definitely not a lot of blue stuff. But what happens at the, at the end of every season for me, may, may, almost like at the end of every single game, is I'll turn to Whitney, and I'll turn to my kids who are not watching the game, and I'll say, I cannot believe I wasted my time watching that. Now, there, this isn't a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a critique on coaching or games. It's just I get so caught up in it, and I've spent so much time investing in this game that at the end of it, when Kentucky inevitably loses another game to Georgia, I look to Whitney and I say, man, why did I do this? Why did I waste a Saturday? Why did I spend time on this? Now, in reality, this is more of a recognition of, of how I spend time. Because a, a theme that you're going to hear throughout this sermon is, where we give our time, how we spend our time is where our priorities are. I will never discourage you from watching your favorite sports teams. Don't. Some of you look nervous. That's not where we're going. I'd be a hypocrite if I told you not to watch sports. But what I am talking about this morning in a larger sense is where we give our time, where we put our energy is where we place our priorities. And if we're honest with one another, the most valuable thing, the most valuable resource that we have today is time. It's often more precious than money. I, I can give money. I can write a check. But if you call me and you ask me to help you move on a Saturday, whew, I might be telling you about moving companies that I've seen in throughout town. If you heard of two, two men moving junk, like that's your guys. I, I'm not your guy on a Saturday. I don't want to give up my time. Because often our immediate instinct is to say, I, I can't do that. I'll write you a check. I'll encourage you from afar. But I don't want to give you my time. The early listeners of Scripture understood how valuable the precious amount of time that we have on this earth is. I wonder if, if too, they avoided helping their neighbors move from one tent to another. Like, oh, not today, Jeremiah, I can't do it. I'm busy today. I'm, I'm watching this game or whatever. But we see this development on how little time we have on earth throughout Scripture and how precious each day is. David writes in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. David is expressing what we often feel, right? 
that we know that our time is fleeting. We know that each day is valuable and a gift from God. And the writer of Proverbs, they echo the same sentiment when they write, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And do you kind of sense this? Of how special each day, each moment that we have, how precious time is that we have, not only together, but just with our families, with our communities, even at work, how little time, in essence, we really have. And so when we give a little bit of that time, that energy away, it it should matter. It should be given to something that we care about, that we're passionate about. We should be wise in how we give our time. We should be aware of, of the things that we're placing our time in. Are they building up the kingdom of God? Are we doing what God wants us to do with our time? Look at what James writes in James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As a kid, I I did not like this passage. It, It scared me. Like as a kid, think about hearing that your life is but a mist. It's one of those kind of encouraging, discouraging passages. We don't like it. It's humbling, right? When we see this language about we are but a mist, it's not an encouraging passage. It's intended to be. But in reality, what this passage does for a lot of us is realize that we don't have a lot of time. We've got just a little bit of time on this earth to do something to use our time wisely, to help our communities, to help our neighbors, to encourage those that we are around. And if anything, this whole passage recognizes how fleeting time is, and it's a humbling one. But one of the most prominent passages that we see regarding time is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is the season passage. It's lengthy, so we're not going to go through all of it, but just for a moment, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, I love this passage because it recognizes that time is, is movement. It encapsulates challenges and frustrations and the different seasons that we go through in life. One of my favorite, pass- or one of my favorite questions to ask parents whose kids have grown up and they moved on, maybe they've, they've gotten married or you know, gone to college or whatever, is when, when did you realize that the days turn into years? Or the years turn into days? That's more so what I'm trying to get to. When did you recognize that the years turn into days? Like your kids, like their life just moves so fast. I promise you as a parent with two kids, most of my days feel like years, Right? where I'm like, hey, you guys got to go to bed just so we can have a little bit of relief from your, your, inner, your constant energy. But Ecclesiastes 3 recognizes that, right? That we all go through these seasons of life. And so if we understand and we recognize that our time is precious and it's limited, what do we do from here? How do we evaluate what to spend time on and how do we determine if something is worth sacrificing our time for? Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 5. When Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, there's a lot of us that will look at this passage and we'll underline it because it is, it's one of those encouraging positive passages. But who just got tired by reading that line, making the most of every opportunity? I'm mentally fatigued by just reading what Paul just wrote. Have you ever tried to do every single thing that was placed in front of you? It is exhausting. And I would encourage you, like, this is a time that we stop and we have a conversation on the importance of no. Because we look at passages like this and we're like, yes, every single thing that God places in front of me, every moment that I feel like I should be giving my time and my resources to, I should lead into. But when we do that and we look at this idea of making the most of every opportunity, we ignore what Paul has said at the beginning of this. To be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. It could be restated. Be very careful in what you give your time to. Give your time to things that are important, that matter to you, that you're passionate about. I saw a video a few weeks ago of the boss, Bruce Springsteen. That's right. I'm about to make a Bruce Springsteen connection in a sermon. So hang with me. So Bruce Springsteen was getting interviewed several years ago, and they were asking him about, can you tell us about this, this weird thing that happened on one of your tours? And Bruce Springsteen was touring in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, what Bruce Springsteen often does on tour dates is he will go to a movie theater alone just to kind of get away from the crew, the crowds, everybody. And he's at this movie theater in St. Louis, Missouri, and a kid recognizes him. He's like, hey, you're Bruce Springsteen. Would you want to sit with me and my girlfriend at this movie? Yeah, super awkward. Just, no, don't ever ask a celebrity to do that. That's a weird thing to do. But the kid says, I assume he called him the boss. They said, Mr. Boss, would you mind sitting with me and my girlfriend at this movie? And they were going to see a movie that was about how people didn't really treat their fans very well. And so they watched this movie, and at the end of the movie, the kid asked Bruce Springsteen, is that how you feel about your fans? Like, do they annoy you? Like, you don't want to spend time with them. And Bruce Springsteen said, no, that's not necessarily true. And so the fan said, well, would you like to come meet my mom at our house? And the story goes that Bruce Springsteen said, sure. Gets in the car with this kid and his girlfriend. They drive to the other side of St. Louis. They go into the house around 11 p.m. He comes in the door and he says, mom, Bruce Springsteen is with me. And she goes, who? And, and the way that Bruce Springsteen tells the story is he goes and finds an album and he said, Bruce Springsteen shows the album, points at it. And the mom says, oh my goodness, I've got to make him eggs. And so the story goes that Bruce Springsteen, on a time where he could, what he was doing with his time was, his time alone, he spent, with the, he spent it with a fan, watched a movie with the fan and his girlfriend, proceeded to go to this fan's house and eat eggs with this kid's mom at 11 p.m. at night. And this is the Graham Norton show if you want to YouTube it, the interview. But I tell that story because... For 10 years, every time that Bruce Springsteen's tour went through St. Louis, he went and had eggs with his family. I think that is fascinating. And when you look at a passage like Ephesians chapter 5, like how are you using your time? Are you using your time wisely? Are you investing in people? I would say that the boss used his time wisely. 
He saw a moment to connect with the fan, and he went for it. Now, he didn't make the most of every single opportunity. He didn't go to every single home of every single fan and eat eggs with every single family. That would be ridiculous and hilarious. He doesn't do that. But he chooses a moment that matters. And again, where you give your time is where you place your priorities. In this moment, he placed his priorities in the life of that fan. And I promise you, it changed that fan's life forever. Just having that moment and that interaction. Now, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times, that as followers of Jesus, we are called to be participants in kingdom building here on earth. This mindset should not only influence our attitudes, but it should also influence our focuses and our attentions. I'm not at all suggesting that you should not watch your favorite team play because those things bring you joy. Rather, I'm calling attention again to how precious and limited our time on this earth is. And if we are not committed to being participants in kingdom building, then what are we really doing? One of the passages that we've leaned a lot into over the last few weeks is in Matthew chapter 25. The story of the sheep and the goats. And this story is about judgment. It says, The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came in to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we, we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? King will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now again, this, this story is a lot about judgment. But more so, this is an evaluation of how we spend our time. A lot of us talk about the things that we are going to do. And it's often followed with, when I get older, when I have more time, or when I have more resources, or when I, and you just fill in the blank. We, we make a lot of plans. We don't put a lot of action into this. But talking about doing things is not the same as actually doing them. We are called to use our time to bring as much of heaven to this earth as possible in the limited time that we have together, making the most of opportunities and connections that are wise for us. In a similar sentiment that we see in Matthew chapter 25, we see something similar to that in Matthew chapter 7. In this, Jesus says that on Judgment Day, many will ask, but he will say, I never knew you. It's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell you them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. This striking phrase, not, again, not an encouraging one, reminds us of the importance of using the time that we've been blessed with wisely. None of us want to get to this point in our lives and recognize that we've wasted our time. Just for a moment, when was the last time that you truly wasted time? I mean, think about that for a minute. Perhaps last week, you sat in front of your computer as a, a noted Swifty, a fan of Taylor Swift, and you attempted to log in to Ticketmaster. You get a pre-sale code. 
And you were refreshing constantly, trying to get in, but then you realized that the pre-sale codes that were offered overloaded their server, and then you and Whitney will never get to see Taylor Swift live. It's just a hypothetical example. <laughs> but, um, but my point is this. If you, if you have a connection, just send me a text or something. But, um, but, but when was the last time that you truly wasted time, right? Like, it is a discouraging feeling. And I think that is what Jesus is getting to in Matthew chapter 7. Is you've been blessed with time, don't waste it. Recognize the time that you've been given is a blessing. It's a gift. Do something with it. Regardless of what your example is of how you waste the time, you know the feeling. And trust me that when you meet Jesus, you don't want to feel like you wasted that time because you were created with purpose. Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. If God made that promise to David, he's going to make it to you as well. So you were created with a purpose. But friends, you were also equipped to do things. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So you were created with a purpose, and then you were equipped with gifts and passions. And you, you see where we're going with this. We're not supposed to waste our time. We were created with a purpose. We were given gifts and passions. But not only that, we were placed at this point for a reason. When Paul is talking to the men of Athens in Acts chapter 17, it says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us. So God created you with a purpose. He equipped you and surrounded you with people to build you up, to encourage you to help you hone those gifts and those passions. But then God has placed you here at this time for a reason. And if we look at those three passages, we start recognizing that we are not supposed to waste our time here. That God wants us to do something with the precious time that we have left together. And I promise you that God has equipped you and prepared you to do the things that he wants you to do. Those passions, those feelings where your heart is tugging you in a direction to do something, that is God saying, use your time wisely. Give your time to something good. And so this week, as I've done every single week, this is my challenge to you. My first one is this, is recognize that we have limited time together. That God has blessed you with every single day that you have. He's created you with a purpose. He's equipped you with gifts and passions that are necessary in kingdom building. So this week, spend time in reflection. But also think, are you using your gifts and your passion to build up the kingdom of heaven? Look at your schedule. What are you spending time with? Where are you investing your time? Because where you are investing your time is where your priorities are placed. 
And also consider, what can you do? Maybe what's an area, maybe an hour this week that you can do to do kingdom work? Look at your calendars this week and think about those things. Because just like when we talked about resources, just like when we talked about focus and energy, God is calling us to give our time. And if we are going to be cheerful givers, individuals that give because God created us, that God created us with purpose, with gifts, with abilities, then God is also asking for us to give our time to do more and bring more of the kingdom of heaven to earth.